the Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Yes. I've met them. Yeah. Takes us a while to get any traction, I'll give you that one. But let's do a head count here. Your brother, the demigod. A super soldier, living legend, who kind of lives up to the legend. A man with breathtaking anger management issues. A couple of master assassins. And you, big fella, you've managed to piss off every single one of them. That was the plan. Not a great plan. You and I, we live on West Coast time. Well, hello, and thank you for listening to this very special episode of Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Now, you're already saying to yourself, the special episode. I mean, all episodes are special in their own little snowflake-type way, but this episode is extra <laughs> special, okay? Um, we did have uh, Stuart on earlier the, in the season uh, with, or the, uh, the show series, uh, our, our friend Stuart, as a, as a guest, but... Uh, because of scheduling conflicts. Well, tonight, it's just me and Corny. Now, you're saying to yourself, no, wait a minute. That's not even, you're only half, half the show. Now, um, uh, I'm going to explain it this way. You know how on TV shows, uh, and Corny, I'm talking to you now at this point. Uh, I'll introduce you in just a second, but Corny, hi. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? What's right. up, dog? Yeah, man. So, you know how on TV shows, they will do a, uh, they'll be running, and then they'll they'll introduce kind of a whole new cast and then they'll do a spin-off of that episode. You know, like how this, this, I used this series. There was the series Jag, right? And then they did the they introduced NCIS, the NCIS characters. And then the next season, NCIS was born. And then NCIS, NCIS did like eight seasons. And then born from that was NCIS LA. And they just recently did the new NCIS New Orleans, which they're going to start in the fall. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Okay, so what this episode is is a kind of a trial run for an idea that uh, Corny and I have for another episode, another uh, uh, podcast that might come later. Uh, we're just going to kind of see how this episode uh, is received. So, um, so there you go. So, that, so it's just Corny and I, and that would be the concept of the new show. It would probably just be Corny and myself talking about comic books. With all that being said, um, just like uh, Spock said it. That being said. Um, I just want to, to, to we're going to now start the show. So this is episode 25, and today we are talking about The Avengers. Not that British thing that came out with Sean Connery and the guy that played Voldemort and the... Yeah, um, Sean Connery. And Ivy, Poison Ivy. Uh, this is The Avengers. This is Marvel's, Disney's Marvel's The Avengers. Um, so with that being all that, yeah, so joining me tonight, uh, is Corn Cornelius. Let's go get some shawarma, Logan. That's actually the perfect middle name for me. Right. Good and, job. <laughs> and I am Sean, bil billionaire, playboy, genius, philanthropist, all red. I gave myself That's, a middle uh, name because there's no one else. There. <laughs> someone thinks highly of themselves. Well, you know, I am the, the, the guy with the equipment. So. With that, oh, here we go. So we're going to dive into the show. So we're doing the Avengers. And so the idea of this of this maybe brainchild of Corny in mind is that because he and I are both kind of comic book nerds to a point, 
corny way more so than I am, but I love the comic book movies, and I love the idea and the genre and the feel of them. Even the bad ones I really like. Ish. <laughs> I really don't like Spider-Man 3, but you know what I'm saying. You know, I'll still watch it, more or less, if it's on. So... Uh, so that's kind of what we're what we're going to be doing here. We're just gonna we're gonna get real kind of deep and nerdy uh, in this um, into this. You, would this, you say we? Oh, would I, you say we'll be riding nerdy? Yes, we will be riding nerdy. <laughs> uh, I don't want to actually use the phrase from Weird Al. I don't want to get sued. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> though I can, I guess I can say I'll be white and nerdy. Uh, so there, there you go. go. Um, I, I figured. Uh, I figured uh, that would work. Right. Uh, uh, so, so this thing is, uh, yeah. So the Avengers, 2012's the Avengers, uh, Joss Whedon directed it. Joss Whedon is kind of the king of the nerds right now. He, I literally think that he could film him pooping and we would all just, we would just say how awesome that is. Uh, maybe, maybe JJ Abrams is king of the nerds. I don't know. Maybe the two of them can duke it out for, for whoever is king. They should make a movie together. I don't know how that would work, but it would yeah. be glorious. Um, and, of course, Joss Whedon is known for uh, directing my favorite film, Serenity. And this movie, to me, is what Serenity could have been. Uh, as in, this movie was so popular and so awesome that, uh, to me, it says that like Serenity could have been that, except for the fact that you know only a, a group of people, a small group of people even knew that existed. But... That's beside the point. Josh Sweden directed and wrote. Uh, this has a kind of an all-star cast um, with a lot of really great people, which we're going to talk about in just a second. The, the, uh, the premises of this movie, in case you haven't seen it or heard of it or anything, this is according to IMDb. And, Corny, let's see if we can... If, if, there's, if IMDb could have given us a more bland description, I don't think they could have. But this is what IMDb says. Nick Fury of S.H.I.E.L.D. assembles a team of superheroes to save the planet from Loki and his army. That's, that's... <laughs> I mean, I guess nope. that's technically it, but man, <laughs> it couldn't have gotten, gotten you know, been more uh, that useless of an intro than anything. So... I would be the guy who writes these for uh, IMDb. I mean, I'm pretty sure he just wakes up one day and says, yeah, this sounds good. Yeah, yeah, let's just write this down, because this seems pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good. Um, so there you go. So, so the Avengers, so, so corny, I know you're excited about to talk about this as much as I am. Cause you and I both love this film. And uh, I, I can yeah. oh, go ahead. No, please. Uh, as I say, I, I cannot tell you enough how much I love this movie. Now in the rash of comic book movies, I cannot tell you how much I love this movie. Right. It made, it made perfect comic book sense to me. Anything that was no, you know, Sean will know that anytime we go watch a comic book movie, one of my first things to go say is, "Well, that never happened," or "That's not how that would work," or you know, I would actually make a comic book reference of, "Well, he would have never done that because of blank thing." I liked every change that they did, and that's very rare for me to say. Um, I, you know, even changing the order or the the lineup of the original Avengers. Um, and for those of you who don't know. Comic book-wise, the, the difference in this one is, is uh, Captain America is actually not there to begin with because they find him later and re- revive him from being frozen in ice. And you actually have the Wasp and Ant-Man, mm-hmm. who you'll know as uh, the creator of the uh, Ultron robot, which you'll find in Avengers 2 uh, coming up in, I guess, what, the 2015? 20, 
Yes, next summer. Yes. So, but anyway, even with those changes, I agree with what they did. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't want to spoil the rest of the show by just going on how much I love this movie, but let it be known, I love this movie. No, and that's and that's great. Um, uh, it actually is said that Joss Whedon did say that the reason why that the Wasp and um, the Ant Man weren't in this because he felt that there would be too many characters, that that there wouldn't be enough time to give everyone enough screen time, basically. Um, and I think that's a good idea, basically, because this movie doesn't introduce any new characters. We've seen everyone at this point in the series so far. I think Agent Hill is the only one that we haven't met yet. So we get sure. to, um, basically, we get to, we're already familiar with the with the characters. And so that's the cool thing about this movie is that it's not a sequel. It's just now we've shown, we've, we've met everyone, and now we're going to mash them together and put them together and, do this awesome thing. So, uh, and to your point, Corny, yeah, you've read the comic books more than I have, um, way more than I have, and that's great. Uh, I just, again, I'm, I'm a fan of the movies and the film and the genre, and I just, this movie was awesome. I cheered and laughed and was excited when we were watching this movie. When, when the Hulk picks up Loki and smashes him around like a rag doll, I still get excited and laughed out loud when I watched it again. For like the seventh, yes. for like the ninth time that I've seen this movie, um, t- to me, this movie, um, as a movie, is what I refer to as a perfect film. Now, yes, this movie has absolutely. issues. Every movie has its own little issues and things that they did wrong. And um, you know, yes, they're communicating with each, with each other in the final battle, and clearly none of them have earpieces in or whatever. But what I mean by the perfect movie, as in this movie had an idea, and it perfectly told us the story that it needed to tell us in a manner that made sense and was believable. Maybe not necessarily realistic, but at least believable. And I left satisfied and wanting more. I immediately get to those credits, and I'm like, I want to watch everything now. I want to watch more. I, like That was what was so great about this movie. Other movies that I consider to be perfect movies. I think Star Wars, the first one, is considered a perfect movie. Because you get uh, done so- with that movie and you're like, man, I can't wait to watch the next one. And and so forth. So there are other examples of this, I'm sure. I just, I'm just i not thinking of any right now off the top of my head. So, well, yeah, go ahead. I'll also say, um, well, uh, in terms of, you're right, and this, this movie is uh, what I would also consider a perfect movie, only in the sense that my questions were answered, and any questions that I didn't have answered at the time, uh, or, or questions that came up later, were, we'll get to it. And it was an honest, we'll get to it moment to it. Right. Yeah, there, yeah. there was a, you know, well, why do we show this thing here? And you're like, well, okay, well, because it, it will show up in the next movie. And, and all of it just made since and that's the great thing about this movie even even though it is a very very sci-fi movie it makes sense and you get combined you combine those two things together and this is what you get in a perfect movie it doesn't even have to be something as fantastical as the avengers but when you can do it in a movie like this you you really hit gold i think right uh and we are going to dive into more of the, the comic book stuff in here. I don't want this to be an hour-long podcast of how much we love this movie, though we probably could talk for about an hour just about how awesome every moment of this movie is. But 
I do want to get into some of the some of the stuff that some uh, comic book, um, for lack of a better phrase, some comic book nerds had issues with. So we're gonna we're gonna do that for just a second, Corny. And while we do that, we're gonna let um, my first trope come out, which is opening narration. The Tesseract has awakened. It is on a little world, a human world. They would wield its power, but our ally knows its workings as they never will. He is ready to lead. And our force, our Chitauri, will follow. The world will be in the universe yours. And the humans, what can they do but burn? So, you get opening narration, which is great. Though it's kind of an interesting narration, because normally narration, you're talking to the audience. He's literally talking to his boss, which I'm literally thinking to myself, like, his boss knows all this stuff. Like, he's the one that put all this stuff into motion. So, you're literally telling me stuff I know. But, us as the audience don't know that. Anyway, <laughs> just thought that was funny. Um, so, there you go. So, the characters themselves. You have your, you have your Iron Man. You have your Captain America. You have your Hulk. Thor. Black Widow, Hawkeye, uh, those are your kind of your superheroes. And then Fury and Maria Hill and Coulson are your uh, not-so-superheroes. Well, Hawkeye and Black Widow aren't really superheroes. They're just people that are extremely great at their craft. Um, yes. So so I want to dive into a couple of things real quick. First, Iron Man is kind of the... He's kind of the anchor of the MCU right now, the, the Marvel Central Universe. Cinematic Universe, sorry. And that's not the way it is in the comics, is it, Corny? <laughs> not at all. Uh, in all well, uh, I'll put it this way. You have different people mean different things at different times of, uh, of years. And right now, this is uh, Iron Man's time. And he wasn't a really a big thing. I mean, he was always a, a good character, but he was never an important character. Uh, maybe not even up till. 2000 early 2000s and then maybe all of a sudden his you know iron man became a thing but you know i, I remember you would you would think more of a, a hulk or you think more of a spider-man like i shouldn't maybe i shouldn't say such a <laughs> well such s words uh <laughs> yeah but you would think of these guys as important to the marvel universe um certainly the iron man because he was just a guy in a suit i mean he was in all honesty he's a pretty plain character Back in the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. he's a guy in a suit with, you know, whatever. So was Batman. Um, and in all honesty, there, there's lots of comparisons between Batman and Tony Stark. The only difference is that he can fly and Batman can't. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, they both. Well, okay, there's some others, but, you know, ultimately. Right. Well, I, you know, I guess, uh, actually, yeah, you're right. Both of them have dead parents. Um, they both are billionaires. Guys in suits who have night jobs and right. I guess really the big difference is is that Tony Stark isn't ashamed to tell the world who he is. Like very true. You know, it's not like Bruce Wayne is saying I'm Batman. (laughs) Yeah, but he always tells the wrong people that he is Batman. He does. He he (laughs) certainly tells every woman in every movie that he's been in that he's Batman. I have a secret. You're Batman. Yes. How did you know? You told me last time. Dang it, I forgot. Anyway, 
<laughs> so, so yeah, Iron Man. Um, and I will say this: I remember back in two thousand eight going to the theater to watch this movie because I can't remember who I went and saw to went to watch it with. It might have been a couple of guys from college. I just don't. We're not college, but um, I don't know when I, who I watched it with. Uh, in fact, the, the the most excited I was actually about was that they had teased the new Star Trek. Um, at the beginning of that movie, and I was like losing my mind on how excited I was over the new <laughs> Star Trek because I didn't know that they were rebooting it. Um, so I literally like peed myself a little bit in the theater. It was awesome. And then this movie happens, and I was totally blown away with this idea that you could make a superhero movie believable. And that's a term I use a lot when it comes to film. Is it believable? There is nothing realistic about any of the Star Trek or Star Wars or Serenity or any of the great sci-fi that has been made in the last 30 years. There's nothing realistic about it. But is it believable? Can I believe what I'm looking at? And everything I watched in that Iron Man movie, I was like, you know what? I believe that that's real. And I can buy that that's, that's a thing that's happening. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You look at the suit and how it's done, and I can say to myself, I could see someone in the side of... I could see that suit being a thing right. in, in 20 years. Like, someone could make that. Yeah, like, why hasn't the government already started working on that? Then we find out that the president actually did say that they actually are working on that, which is kind of funny. Uh, your tax dollars at work. Anyway, I don't know. I hope he was being silly. Actually, I, I actually approve of that if they are making an Iron Man suit. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I approve of it, too. I just, you know, but we got some other issues. That's beside the point. Uh, so then you have <laughs> Captain America. Uh, Steve Rogers, who I always kind of, in my mind, is visioned as being, I mean, the movie, his movie is entitled The First Avenger, um, which isn't really true, but uh, I, I always kind of kept, because he's the only military person, he's the, right? Right, right, you're right. So, um, well, I mean, you have spies, and you have assassins, and then you've got the soldier, the soldier and, yeah. and he literally is just, I guess the reason why you consider him the first Avenger uh, because A is the oldest theoretically, <laughs> right. and, and uh, well, actually Thor is the oldest, but that that's that's anyway, that's, that's, that's true. So, that's is. some weird math. Um, <laughs> that's fuzzy math. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, but he's he's um because of Captain America's ability to as a strategist makes the Avengers a dangerous team. Right. Literally, without him, things go to poop a lot. <laughs> right. Right. Um. So as 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 the character itself, he's one of my favorites because of his because he's a boy scout. And and you know what I'm saying? Like he's you can't call him an underdog because he's the strongest human on the planet. But um you know what I'm saying? Like he's but still he, he isn't his his powers aren't fantastic. Right. Uh you know, he, he can't he can't move a building. But you know he will outthink the opponent. It doesn't matter which opponent he's fighting. Right. I mean he's he's he stood toe to toe with the, the Hulk once. Uh, I don't think he would ever do it again. But he did. And um, but he 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 did, he also lost said fight. Well, it wasn't really a fight. He was trying to. He but, basically calmed him into um, uh, submission. Calmed him back to banner. Right. So, uh, but anyway, it, but with that kind of mindset, you you have to kind of root for the guy who just can't blow up a building. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm a big, I'm a big fan of, of of the character, and I think Chris Evans actually is really good at it. Um, and a lot of my female friends think he's really hot. So good job, Chris Evans. You got <laughs> then you got the Hulk, who's just awesome. He's just 
he is the guy that blows up the building because he's breaking it down and hitting it, hitting you over the face with the building. Uh, I thought Mark Ruffalo or Ruffalo, how you pronounce his name, was awesome as Bruce Banner. I thought Edward Norton did fine in the movie. It's a shame that he got all big headed and was like, "You need to pay me Robert Downey Jr. money," and Marvel was like, eh, "No, we're not. <laughs> we're not going to pay you that money because." Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was a genius when he signed on to do Iron Man 3. And in case you didn't know this, uh, when he signed on, he didn't take a normal fee. He took base salary for a leading role in an action film, which is like, uh, and this is still a lot of money, okay? I know it's a lot of money. But it was like $500,000 for his fee. And he said, I want points, or basically, it turns out to basically equal to a, a percentage of the gross of the film. Okay. Oh, well, well played, Mr. Down Jr. So every time he's Iron Man, he gets, I think he gets 0.5% of the gross of the film. Okay? That's still a good chunk of change. So Iron Man 3 made $300 million. Okay? Or, yeah, close to $350 million. So, that so makes, that's, uh, that's what? $30 million? Oh, well, let me see. One, at 10%. One, at, okay, at 10%. At, oh, uh, sorry, at ten percent, you're oh, sorry. It's three hundred and fifty million. Yeah. So at ten percent, you're yeah. thirty-five million, and then under that, you're still in the. So you're still hundreds. talking about three, what, three point five million, three, yeah. couple million, three four million dollars. Yeah. You're like, okay, that's not bad. Then Iron Man two comes out, and he does it. My my my, my math, not my math, but the, my percentage might be off, but basically. For Iron Man 1 and 2, he didn't make that much money. He made a several several million dollars per film. And then I, and then the Avengers comes out. Well, the Avengers made a billion dollars. So he made in, he ended up making something like stupid like 16, 18, 20 million dollars on just the Avengers. Um, and most people don't get like like Chris Evans made 4 million on the Avengers. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you know, so, like it's huge amounts of money that he made. And then again, he does. Then he does Iron Man three, and now he's about to do Iron Man two. And the producers, when they when they were making this, they had no idea what they had on their hands when they signed this contract with him. And they've been trying to renegotiate. Like, can we can we bring that down a little bit? And he's like, I got a piece of paper here that says this is what you're going to pay me. So, <laughs> I'm pretty um, sure he did it as actually inside of an Iron Man suit as he was doing right. this. Uh, so I love the I lo- so I love Mark Ruffalo. I love the way he's just. He's always seems like he's a little edgy and a little uh, little awkward. Um, I just like that 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 whatever. Uh, Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Uh, I think he does fine. Uh, he's obviously our biggest Star Trek connection. I think if there's any more. I'm sure there are. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. And of course, Scarlett Johansson is hot, so they put her in there for all the nerds. Um, Jeremy Renner, um, who was really good in the movie, but unfortunately, he plays a a drone bad guy for most of the movie, so he doesn't really get to act. Uh, and he was actually a little bummed out about that. And Joss Whedon had to talk him into being in Avengers 2. Oh, wow. Because he was like, I don't really want to do that again because you kind of screwed me. And he said, I did, and I'm sorry. But that was just the way we kind of felt like we needed to do. But I promised you that in the next movie, you're going to get to do some heroic, awesome stuff. So... Uh, and then, of course, Tom Hiddleston as Loki is great. He's a great bad guy. Uh, he will continue to be a good bad guy. Spoiler, he gets away in Thor 2. So, um, and then Phil Coulson, Clark Gregg, Clark Gregg. I love the way he delivers stuff. And so that brings me to this. 
Ты слушай внимательно. I love the way he delivers lines. <laughs> he does that delivery again in Iron Man 2, if you remember when Iron yeah. when Tony Stark's like, "Hey, can you send a guy out to, you know, get me some?" And he goes, "That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to make sure that you do the job you do. If you try to leave or play games, I will tase you and watch you drool into the carpet while I watch Super Nanny." Like just the way he says that just <laughs> makes me laugh, you know? And he was great in Agents of Shield, the show. He wasn't the issue with the first six episodes. There was just nothing happening in the first six episodes. You want to talk about the episodes after the um, Captain America 2? That show got real good. He was great. He was still really good. Um, so I really like Clark Gregg, and he's obviously he's got some acting chops. And, of course, um, uh, Robin Scherbatsky as Maria, uh, Maria Hill, was, she, was, <laughs> she was fine. I had a almost kind of – I couldn't – I almost had a hard time believing that she's this kind of – second hand kind of you know what I'm saying like second in command kind of a person but whatever she did fine only because, because she's Robin Scherbatsky maybe I don't or, know it's just I mean I guess you know she's you know Canadian and she can beat people up with hockey sticks whatever but and of course uh, <laughs> Sam Jackson which you know this corny that in 2000s before in the two before the 2000s in the 90s I think back in the 70s Nick Fury was a dude was a white dude yeah and then right in around the late 90s, um, the producers of, of Marvel literally went to Sam Jackson and said, we want to create Nick Fury to look like you. And he gave him permission, and they gave him a little a small percentage every time they use him, and uh, or maybe they just paid him a fee, I don't know. So, of course he was going to be Nick Fury in the movie. Who else would you get? You have you to really... get... I mean, like, <laughs> if they make a character based off of your likeness, of course you're going to be in the movie. So... And of course, Sam Jack. The only problem with Sam Jackson in this movie is, with to me, is he doesn't get to do Sam Jackson stuff. You know, he doesn't beat anybody with a pistol. He doesn't. He doesn't yell at anybody. He, well, he yells at people. Not really. I mean, but not like he. He doesn't Samuel Jackson yell at people. He just. Yeah. He, he just, just yells. He just kind of gets that stern look, and um, like I need him. Like he was a little bit more Sam Jackson in Captain America too. You know, oh yeah, he was. <laughs> you know, like he's yelling at the car, and the car's trying to drive, and he's shooting. Well, click on it. Yeah, like he exactly, exactly. He gets to do that stuff. So in that movie, um, even though he's not in it for very long. True, and I guess you can't. You know, you can't waste a good Sam Jackson. Oh yeah, you don't want to waste a good Sam Jackson. And then of course you have your other great. Um, um, you know, you got a bunch of other cool. Actors and actresses, but I just think it's really interesting that the that the MCU really is based off of, you know, Tony Stark and the and Iron Man. I mean, at the end of Iron Man three, people lost their freaking mind, going, "Wait a minute, is he done?" <laughs> they took the thing out of his chest. So is he, is he no longer going to be Tony Stark and are no longer going to be Iron Man? And then they have but, to put the words at the end, "Iron Man will be back," but. Let me, uh, I guess, uh, speak for a um, from the comic universe. Uh, Tony Stark actually does get all that crap removed from his chest. He eventually says, "Ah, oh, surgery's a good idea," and he actually does it comic book wise. But everything, you know, the 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 spot on his chest where we were all very accustomed to seeing hmm. um, his uh, his plate or his um, his light. Well, basically, his. Uh, um, the, the, uh, little arc, the little arc reactor? The little yeah, little, well, basically, that's just where the unibeam, uh, where he uses his the, the chest beam. 
And so you still get the symbol there, but, you know, how silly would it be for a man of that kind of genius to not get it out of his body? I mean, that's obviously a huge problem. Right. In the first movie, some guy yanked it out of his body, almost died. I mean, that literally is the uh, about the, um, the equivalent of carrying a He-Man's power sword, but never holding on to it. Right. That's pretty much all his power, but you just let it go all the time. But it makes sense that he got rid of it. And I... I actually wasn't surprised uh, at the end of Iron Man 3 when, you know, it was gone. And I was like, oh, okay, good. And they, finally, they got rid of it. It just it just doesn't make any sense that Tony Stark would continue to let that thing be in his chest. It right. could be removed. It just needed surgery. So Right. And that – sorry, your chair makes me laugh. Every time. I know. <laughs> we need to get you a better chair. Um, you. No, you're right. And I um, – I'm staring at my Avengers poster right now. I mean, Tony Stark's the, the main character of the poster. I mean, he takes up like 30% of the poster. So, I mean, he's clearly the the thing that they're hanging the, the franchise on, which is really interesting and cool. And that's why I think that, I think that Marvel has, has a, um, a leg up over DC. And this is not me, a Marvel versus DC thing, but it kind of is. Is that... Nine, most of Marvel's superheroes are dudes. You know what I'm saying? They're people. Thor is the exception. Okay? Thor is the... Right? You, obviously, yeah. you've got aliens who are bad guys. But your heroes are good guys. And they're, I mean, they're, of course they're good guys. Your heroes are people. They're, they're humans. And, again, you know, you've got your Captain America, who is, you know, of course he's America's greatest hero because he's on steroids. And... Tony Stark, and, like, you know what I'm saying? Like all, most Spider-Man and uh, Ant-Man, like they all, most of Marvel, you know, you get your powers either through an accident or some kind of weird miracle or some kind of strange thing. And then DC, like 80% of your heroes are aliens. Like Batman is the most likable character because everyone can relate to him. No one that, can relate to Superman. You know what I'm saying? That true. someone who is OP and an alien like there's nothing you can compare that to because there's nothing that can beat him. So and, and if you want to send in your your hate mail towards me cuz I'm not a Superman fan, fine. But I just I I don't like the fact that in that universe the world's greatest hero is an alien. I just to me that that bothers me. Um so but I still like Man of Steel. I thought it was kind of a cool movie. Um but that's why I think that the Marvel has done so well recently is that all these characters are believable again back to that word i want to keep using that word is believable um i do want to get into the movie itself some more real quick uh, to to go down so um the first thing i have in my notes is that i love the soundtrack to this movie it is it, it is a i hear this movie and i want to go beat people up or save people all right so so get 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 pumped up here you go corny Right? Like, I want to go do something right now. Maybe walk down the stairs and carry my dog up or something. I don't know. I, I can't do a whole lot. Well, um, as I say, you know, with, with that uh, that theme that they use, mm -hmm. it has the, uh, just a hint. Well, not, it's not going to be anything based off Lord of the Rings anyway, but that just that, that progression. Bah, 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 that, that It shows up at the end of the Lord of the Rings theme, the little short thing they have. 
And so I don't know something about that progression in movies. And I, I can't think of a, I know the, I know of two other movies that kind of have a very similar thing and it sounds very heroic and epic. So I'm just wondering if maybe people have, have found the, the epic chord or the, yeah. uh, the epic progression, it's which like, would be really awesome to have. It's like in the nineties when uh, grunge and uh, rock found the power chord. They used it all the time. <laughs> like that's what this is. It's like, all right, we need the epic progression. You know, we're going to put it in Lord of the Rings and we're going to put it in uh, uh, some other epic scores. I can't think of, but Alan Silvestri did the score. He did. He's most famous for back to the future um, and some other really good stuff. He also did the music for Captain America, the first one, I think. Um, I'm looking. Uh, which made it an interesting choice to, to choose him. But I, I thought music was great, um, and I really enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, I really like, and this is, again, this is me going back to praising Joss Whedon. I love the transitions in this movie. Have you ever noticed the transitions? You, you start the movie, right? And then they talk about the Tesseract, and then we go and see the Tesseract. And then we have this whole crazy thing with Loki. And then he says, what do we do? Like, we're at war, so what do we do? So then we go and we have to meet Natasha because Russia is a crazy place. And then he says, you get the big guy. And then we go to meet the big guy. And then who do we meet after that? We go. Uh, I think then, you're, uh, then you meet uh, Captain America. Um, is that? Yeah. No, not yet. Um, crap. I forgot my own transition, my own, my own notes. But they literally talk about, oh, no, yeah. Well, they do the part from Captain America where he says, is there anything about the Tesseract we should know? And he said, yeah, you should have left it in the That's ocean. It. And then we see Tony Stark in the ocean doing stuff. Like, I love those transitions throughout the whole movie. Um, they do these kind of little things, and it just it makes me happy. So there you go. I love, again, this is me just, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, big fan. Uh, I will say this. You know how a lot of the action flicks nowadays, you have to have your opening action sequence to get people excited about the movie, and then you get oh. into some stuff? Kind of like a James Bond where he runs and does parkour all over the place, that kind of thing? Right, or in um, even Captain America where we start off, they're, they're attacking a boat, and he, Captain America gets to show off his... Captain America 2, where he gets oh, to yeah, show yeah. off all his... Uh, parkour kung fu skills and stuff like that. <laughs> the opening action sequence of this movie was, was to me, truth be told, was kind of boring. Um, like you get to see some cool stuff, but it's a car chase scene. And I thought, oh, well, okay, that's kind of interesting, I guess. And I think they obviously more than make up for it with the end, where you have like a 30-minute battle. I mean, the, the, literally the battle is like 30 minutes long. So obviously you can't have ridiculous battles throughout the whole movie, but... You know what I'm saying? Anyway, just a yeah. little little thing. Um, I love, uh, let's see. I thought it was strange that Loki, part of his beef and his motivation is that he says he's the rightful king of Asgard, but he's not. And then he later in the movie admits that he's not by saying, I, he's your father, he's not my father. So I thought, well, I'm confused. Which, which um, one is it? You know what I'm saying? Like He's a little crazy. He's uh, a little crazy. <laughs> How... Uh, Corny, how crazy is he? Oh, well, he is... I don't think we should be focusing on Loki. That guy's brain is a bag full of cats. You can smell crazy on him. I care how you speak. Loki is beyond reason, but he is of Asgard. And he is my brother. He killed 80 people in two days. He's adopted. So... <laughs> By the way, that was... <laughs> Sorry, that... 
that that line is still funny, and people got offended by that line. People yes. that were adopted were very offended by that line. For some people, were not obvious. We, you, you're going to make a movie; someone's going to get offended. That's just the way it is. Sure. So and, I'm sorry. And the reason why the line's actually a little funnier to me because uh, I think about the time of this movie, I remember getting in an argument with not an actual like, like argument, argument, but getting in a uh, discussion about something, and you know, you bring up a good point, like, uh, well, if you say this isn't this way, then why did you do this? Uh, I was young at the time; I didn't understand. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so anyway, it just it just made me laugh a little bit more than maybe it should have. But no, that's, you're right. that's fine. Um, so uh, that was that was great. The idea. Let's see what I wrote. The idea of an aircraft carrier that can fly is totally ridiculous. But in this movie, I buy it because it has giant fans. <laughs> like, and of course they come from under the ocean. Like they 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 come up, and I kept thinking, where are those things stored when they're not being used? Like, are they just like, I, I thought that was kind of weird how they, but it, it doesn't matter. It's still a cool intro. It's still a cool way to do things. Maybe it's not the most efficient way to launch your battle strategies from an aircraft carrier, but I don't know. I mean, I was okay with it in that, uh, that, um, sky captain in the world of tomorrow. And they all have giant dirigibles that they're flying ship airplanes in and out of. So why not? I'm okay with it. It's in the, it's in the canon. It's in the cartoon. It's in the, in the comic books that they have to have this thing and, um, I just remember thinking in the movies because I didn't know it was coming in the movie. I didn't know that was a thing that was going to happen. I knew Stark Tower, or the Avengers Tower, was a thing. I just didn't know that, you know, the the helicarrier was a thing, and it it made me laugh. And I thought, oh well, I actually kind of buy that for some reason. Well, uh, and I think the uh, helicarrier is uh, again, comic book wise, is is, is uh, has like some alien technology and that actually allows it to do what it does, and and you know. As opposed to just being a really huge constructed ship, which uh, brings me to a, a, a very interesting question, which I call the uh, Batman conundrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this thing is super secret, who builds it? And then after they build it, do you kill them? <laughs> well, this isn't Game of Thrones, where, <laughs> where you build a castle and then kill the people that build it. Because um, you know the Batcave wasn't done by one man. He didn't get all the equipment down there by himself, nor he nor Alfred did it. So, uh, you know, he, he hires an entire contract team. And All right, guys, well, uh, my cave's done. Uh, why don't you uh, step into step into this area here? Yeah, well, drink this. <laughs> Mr. Wayne. Yeah, drink this Kool-Aid. Uh, no, you're right. It's uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of fun government conspiracies. I guess we could. There's probably stuff that the government has now that we don't know about. So I just, I guess we can safely assume that. The, the, there's enough people in the world that keep secrets. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, did did you uh, you did you watch Agents of Shield this season? I didn't. I'm actually still waiting to. Okay. I know I'm a terrible person, but I've I've, I've got right, to get well, to a uh, a you, good safe place in my TV watching. <laughs> but you have seen you you watched Captain. America I have America watched too. like an episode or two. Yes. No, but did you watch Captain America too? Oh yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Did did you see Sitwell in this movie and want to go punch him in the face? I did. Yeah, you you want to you kind of want to do that in this movie. I guess he's it doesn't matter that it's an agent of Shield because he kind of ends in uh, Captain America too. Spoiler. Uh, yeah, I saw him in this movie and I wanted to go punch him in his dome. Um, but it's funny you don't you don't understand the, or you don't know what happens. And we're talking what this came out in 2012, so we're talking two solid years before mm-hmm. it actually became an issue. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, right? 
Um, let's see. Oh, I missed one of my, uh, my, well, I actually missed a couple. Um, all right, let's, let's go there. Sorry. I'm looking at my notes and I'm also looking at my, uh, my clips that I played in order. So let's go there for a second. People, when they saw the trailer and then when the movie came out, the part where Thor is fighting, not Thor. Yeah. Thor is fighting Iron Man. People were losing their minds. Thor would beat Iron Man hands down in 30 seconds. There's no way that Iron Man could come up to could keep up with Thor. Thor would tear him apart, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So while you gather your thoughts, Corny, uh, just uh, enjoy this for just a second. Do not touch me again. Then don't take my stuff. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the park. Doth mother know you weareth her drapes? Ah, it's funny start smart ass till the end. Yep. Uh, so, so you want my thoughts on the? Uh... Yeah, I want what All you right. what why? Uh, okay. Why you why? Does it work? Does it not work? Like the the way the battle was depicted, I'm okay with how it happened, but it seemed like the movie again the movie, it made it seem like they were pretty pretty evenly matched. Which, in my mind, is kind of tough to believe because later on in the movie, it shows Thor and the Hulk pretty evenly matched. I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure the Hulk would tear Tony apart. Right? Yes. So. Theoretically. So it depends on... Okay, again. So it depends on a couple of things. First of all, how many years has it been since the first Iron Man? We'd, you know, just... Or, I mean... Like in real in life, movie, it's four, but we we can make the assumption that it's close to three or four years, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so three or four years. Now, comic book wise, Tony Stark is always looking to improve the Iron Man armor. If as, this as is evident in Iron Man three, right? So you you have to all right. So he wants to improve the Iron Man armor. The X Men exist in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Wolverine exists in the Marvel Marvel universe. Which means that adamantium exists in Marvel, Marvel Universe. Which means that since adamantium can be molded, now you're thinking, I make my suit of adamantium. Also, you have to um, uh, you have to consider that um, the nation of Wakanda, where you'll find Black Panther is from. Um, well, no, I'm sorry. Actually, I may be thinking I may be confusing like cartoon for comic book, but anyway. There are different um, elements or different metals in the Marvel Universe that exist that Tony has to work with. So when I watched this movie the first time, I saw that fight scene and went, you're right. There's no way that Iron Man can send the, the, the Mjolnir, will, the hammer, will completely destroy Tony Stark. Yeah. Unless Tony Stark's armor is now made out of adamantium or another type of armor, another type of metal alloy. Which is completely possible because, again, he wants to, to to improve the suit. So now I go back and think about that fight and I go, if his suit's made out of that stuff, oh, he can take some damage. Completely take the damage. And I think he, I, I think that fight maybe isn't as even. I think he can still escape and I, still can, I think he can take hits. But the appearance of Captain America to kind of, you know, deviate some of the, the attention, it makes it, it makes it make sense to me. So I guess ultimately... 
if we're talking about the entire Marvel universe and we're talking about the drive of Tony Stark to in, to increase the abilities of the Iron Man armor, then yes, at some point in time in those four years, he would have made stronger, tougher metal, or he would have gotten some type of alloy that was better than what he had in the first movie. Now I'm I'm on board with you with the idea and the concept and the motivation. The problem, I don't know if it's even the word problem, but the issue, whatever you want to call it, is that the suit that we are shown in the first half of the movie is the same suit that we see in Iron Man 2, which he makes in a hurry so he can go fight Ivan and all the other uh, hammeroids. So at that point, this is literally only his third suit that he's made, fourth suit that he's made. So... I'm going on the assumption that whatever this suit is made of is the same suit, is the same material as the first suit. No, he. I, the, the, I don't the, know the, the gold titanium thing. Yeah, I'm not sure what Mark armor it was in the. I, I forget what Mark armor it was in the other movie, but this is Mark Six armor, and so and the one that he fights that he uses at the end is Mark Seven, I believe. Um, and that, basically, every time is that what the movie says? I believe that is actually what. Uh, let's see. I'll look that up. Uh, while you okay, give your thoughts. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I muse on some more. Um, yes. I, I only know is that in the movie Iron Man One, the Mark, I guess the Mark One is the suit he makes in the desert. The Mark Two is the silver one that eventually becomes War Machine and Iron Patriot. The Mark Three is the one that he fights in that movie with. Then, then this one would be the Mark Four with the triangle piece. Triangle, whatever. And then the Mark V would be the new one that he makes. And that's okay. what makes the Mark 42 the more all the more impressive in the third movie. Okay. So, according to... Yeah, according to this movie, this is Mark VII armor. Okay. Well, I don't know... Because, obviously, I don't think they went through and actually matched up what the armors actually did compared to the comics. So, I, I can't even begin to tell you what it is. But, this is... This is a, you know, seventh version, or this is a maybe fourth version past the second Iron Man movie. Right. Okay. Could have very similar look. So I, I, I would actually say that he's increased the armors. I mean, obviously he's been making that uh, entire uh, uh, coliseum of armor. So I imagine he just happened to have, or not happened to have, but he, he did make something that could withstand maybe to- going toe-to-toe the whole. Sure. Because if you think about it this way. The entire movie, he is well aware of the Hulk and what it can do. And, and Thor. You know. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking he's, you know, I, at some point in time, may have to fight these guys. I, I might want to make my suit stronger. Sure. And think about in Iron Man 3, he did have the Hulkbuster armor, mm-hmm. which is, you know, basically which, the thing. Which is rumored to be in Avengers 2. Ooh. There, there's concept art of that they leaked. Well, of course, by leaked, you know, Kevin Feige, the producer, you know, intentionally leaked, but it's a it's a concept art of the Hulkbuster fighting the Hulk, and we're supposed to. The, the rumor is that, that that's what Avengers Two actually opens with, is that because these two are now pals, is that Tony builds this armor to try to match the Hulk, uh, just as kind of a contest, which one can win in a fight, like it's a game, like it's, they're not actually fighting. Yeah. They're just two pals who are, you know, building, you know, fighting each other as as, as pals would fight. Um, just thought it was kind of neat. Anyway, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, okay, so I, I did want to talk about that. 
And then uh, I, I, did, I didn't want to get too far past this, but uh, I missed it in our timeline. But I want to play this one real quick. Security breach is on you. Mr. Stark. Phil, <laughs> come in. Phil. Phil. can't stay. Uh, his first name is Agent. Come in. Anyway, I like this stuff because that's just, I love the way Tony talks and he's sarcastic and interesting and, and whatever. Um, uh, and then just in case you missed it, what do we have? We have a Hulk. Oh, okay, cool. So, <laughs> and that's it. And then you heard the intro. Uh, so we, we talked about that. Um, the other quote that I wanted to capture, but I didn't was the bit where he says, I love your theory on particles and collisions and stuff like that. And I also love when you turn into a giant rage monster, rage monster. Lose, lose control and turn into a giant rage monster. I love that stuff. Um, there was another debate and I have to, yeah, Thor versus Hulk. So I remember talking to you about this corny after we watched the movie that you loved that fight because you thought it was really cool. How when Thor threw the uh, meow meow and <laughs> And, Thank you for saying that, by the way. And he and, and the Hulk tried to pick it up, and he couldn't. Um, and it's really funny because uh, – do you watch Big Bang Theory? Yeah. There's an episode where the, the three girlfriends or the Y, whatever, the three girls decide to go read a comic to see why the guys like it so much. And they pick an episode uh, – I think uh, an old ep- comic of, of Thor. And they have this debate on why can't you pick up the hammer? Is it because it's so heavy or is it because it's magic and that only it will only allow Thor to pick it up? So they get into this really funny debate over, well, if you pick it up in space, could you, like, of course you can. What do you mean? No, you can't. You can't pick it up in space. There's no gravity. Like they have all this, this argument that <laughs> nerds would have, right? Which is, which makes the show funny. So that, that leads to the legit question though. Is it because the hammer can only be picked up by Thor because it's a heavy or B because of the, the magic of the hammer or and of course they call science magic, you know, because that's why the Hulk can't pick it up. Cause I mean, the Hulk almost crashes through the floor cause he's trying to pick it up. Right. So my understanding is that given enough rage and enough time, the Hulk can pick up the hammer. So I think it is, maybe magic to make the weight just something astronomically huge. Mm-hmm. But because but because the Hulk is fueled by rage, enough rage, and, and apparently he can always have more rage, uh, will eventually give him the strength to move it. Yeah, he just has a little bit of a cool down, like in, a, you know, um, World of Warcraft with warriors. Yeah. <laughs> you know, except to have that rage. Um, no, but it, but again, but you like you were saying that fight made it, that was a great fight, and it made sense that as soon as he got you know the hammer's thrown at him, he catches it, hits the ground. The first thing Hulk would do was try to pick that thing up, and then he would be hell bent on picking up that hammer. He would completely forget who was fighting, right. like and he kind of does. Hulk. Yeah, so I, I thought just even I'm sure it wasn't even done that way, but just the fact that he stopped what he was doing, stopped fighting another person. And try to pick up this damn hammer. That made me happy. Now, a lot of people that are not fans of the comics, that only watched the movie, were a little confused and maybe even felt cheated that the Hulk is going crazy on on the helicarrier. And then he is blown off the helicarrier. And then at the end of the movie, he's able to control everything. He's in control. And there was no explanation of, of why. Now, 
Um, what I read in the not just the trivia, but about the movie and the books and the comic books is that the line given by the security guard who finds him, he says, you were awake when you fell and you landed and you aimed for this abandoned building and you were awake when you fell, that when he changes back into Banner while still awake is an important part of the, of the story. And that, that means that in this moment, he's actually learned to control the situation. Um, corny. Uh, I, that's a, that's a good theory. And, uh, and, and cause I hadn't thought about that before. It's actually kind of like the theory, but in my mind, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel that the years of being the Hulk, you've either learned to become, okay. So there are different types of Hulks uh, throughout, not different types of Hulks, but Hulk is a different thing in different eras. Uh, there's like the mindless rage monster. There's a slightly sentient Hulk who has the, you know, the, the, the mindset of a, a five-year-old who can reason right and wrong. And then you've got a Hulk that eventually learns to use the same intelligence that Bruce Banner has. Right. And I think that the Hulk you have here is the one where you have the, you know, the, the five-year-old's intelligence, but you still have some intelligence. You're not just a rage monster. However, get him mad enough, then you get the scene where he's chasing, uh, you know, uh, Scarlett Johansson throughout the helicarrier and destroying shit uh, stuff. Poop. Crap. It's okay. <laughs> We're okay. All right. So anyway, uh, I think I think this Hulk is um, the one who's who can just change at will. And I will say that because um, it, he, he can. Uh, at some point in time, he, he just can. And the Hulk can decide either to change back or to stay as the Hulk. And, you know, just so basically Bruce Banner loses control turns in the Hulk. Hulk either has to basically burn all of his adrenaline out and then revert back Mm -hmm. or just revert back. Like, I I think the Hulk has the ability to change back. Bruce Banner doesn't have, and and, and vice versa, Bruce Banner has learned to, to be able to just make it happen. Well, we saw if, if you're, and we, we do, we consider the Hulk, the incredible Hulk, the Edward Norton part of the canon. We, we consider that part of the deal. And at the end of that movie, we are shown him controlling the rage because of the girl, because of Liv Tyler, okay? So we we are shown that. We are shown twice in that movie that he's able to transform on command. One, when he jumps out of the helicopter and he crashes into the earth and makes a, an Edward Norton-shaped hole. And then <laughs> at the end of the movie, when we get the little counter that he's living up in Alberta, Canada, and he is able to go, he's literally able to just trigger it on his own and so from that point the that movie is telling us that he is learning to control it and in my mind the reason why he loses it with scarlett johansson is because she's already lied to him multiple times in the movie right she's lied to him a couple of times and that pissed him off and so that when they got when he got hurt and he's falling he's trying to control it and she keeps talking to me that's what triggers it Especially when he literally says, she says, I swear on my life, I'm going to get you out of here. And he's your like, life. And yeah. he says, your life. And he, he, I think at that point he realized, you know what? I'm sick of this girl lying to me. She's lied to me this entire movie uh, or entire movie this entire time. So <laughs> it's, it's time to lose control and get mad because he's chasing her. He's not destroying stuff. He's chasing her. So I, I think some people think, well, 
he can't just go from lose control control to have control. I think he he had control the entire time. It was a moment of of, of rage, like you said, Corny. So uh, to me, that's how I kind of look at it. Uh, but the, supposedly that line that he says, "You're awake when you fell," was that that was the point of that. Um, I did get a little. When you're watching this as a fanboy, Corny, like when we watched this in the theater, we didn't care what we were watching. We were loving it. But when I watched it today with the kind of the cheap seat review goggles on, there was a couple times where I was like... Patent pending, by the way. Um, <laughs> I kind of, I actually kind of got annoyed with the techno babble because, you know, unless you do the thing and derp a derp a derp a derp a derp and then... He says, "Oh, finally, someone who speaks English." And then, Cap, we, then we have to laugh at poor Captain America as as expense. That was English. That's what you call it. And then he does the bit with monkeys. Oh, I get that reference. And I and in the trivia, it, it literally says that that the intent wasn't to make him look stupid. It was just supposed to be a funny line. But it, it kind of it kind of was like, "Oh, Captain America's just a dumb jock, but he's a smart dude." You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, you got you literally have two scientists who were actually you know doing the science thing, and right. I, I appreciated the like I I got the gag and the bit. It just and it, it was and it was funny in the moment, but for some reason this time it kind of annoyed me just a little bit. I, and I I'm like, oh poor Steve Rogers, you know, and um, I kind of feel <laughs> he's bad. a real boy. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's just a little thing. Um, uh, I. Did you notice it? I mean, I, you probably noticed it before, but it wasn't until maybe the last two or three times that I watched this. Um, Fury tries to get Thor to torture his brother. Does that not seem kind of strange to you? Now, when, he, when they're when they're sitting there, they're kind of talking. He and Coulson are talking, and then uh, Fury comes sneaking in like the spy that he is. And he says, he gives that cool line where he says, why do I feel like he's the only one that wants to be on this boat? But before that, he says, what are you willing to do? And he says, no amount of pain can, can get him to talk or whatever. And he says, people say that until the pain starts. Well, what are you willing to do? And I'm like, is Fury trying to get him to go torture him? Like, that seemed... Well, actually, uh, I hadn't thought about that, but uh, comic book-wise... <laughs> I think that's going to be my phrase. Come no, and that's fine. That's why you're doing this. Like that's the point of this. So, in in Asgard, uh, whenever Loki uh, got caught after you know doing something stupid, uh, they would send him to these really elaborate places that are just awful. Um, uh, basically, I mean, just like all kinds of terrible torture um, would happen to him there for you know x amount of years, and then they would let him go but it would be awful for the time being. And it would just leave him there. Like, you know, uh, say like, um, I know, and I know in a, in a cartoon I saw, um, Loki's captured and he's, uh, tied up into this place with a giant snake and the snake just dripped poison into his burning poison into his eyes. And I think that lasted for years before he was let go. So, wow. <laughs> uh, not that I don't, I mean, not that, Nick Fury would have ever known about that, but I just know that at the time Loki got caught doing a lot of stupid things from time to time, and they would just do that to him. Right. And so, uh, anyway, but I just thought it was that is interesting, and well, yeah, torture might be a Nick Fury thing, you know. Well, I mean, 
because we're living in this time now where torture is such a a taboo thing, you know, with Gitmo and everything. And I just thought it was interesting, a choice of Joss Whedon to kind of allude to the fact that Fury is willing to do whatever it takes, as long as it doesn't mean nuking Manhattan. But um, kind of whatever it takes to, you know, the means, the the, the means justify the end or whatever the phrase yeah. is. So, uh, again, it, it, you know, I thought it was an interesting little little moment there. I wrote a note. I don't know why I wrote it. So we're doing the bit from the Return of the Jedi. Why did I write that? What does that mean? Return of the Jedi. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, <laughs> holy crap! Bad um, reference you're making. I can't think of what it means. Why I wrote that? I have to think about that. Dang it! Oh well. Um, if you know out there, send your emails. Um, <laughs> I thought it was kind of weird how that little bitty arrow, like blew the hell out of that ship. I thought that was kind of funny. Like, you packed a whole lot of explosives in that small arrowhead. Um, oh, I'm a big believer in, like, chemical explosions that are just far greater than... Right, I just it the, seemed like such a large explosion for a little bitty arrow. <laughs> um, the, well, well, don't tell that to the to the arrow, to green, uh, well, <laughs> the green arrow. Right, but, he, but none of his explosions are blowing up buildings they blow up doors you know that's true uh, i did thought it was i think it was funny it, it was a cool bit for sam jackson to, to get to yell at the navigator but i kind of got mad at the navigator to so the navigator is like i got no navigation computers durka durk and he's like if the sun is coming up in the east then just aim the boat to the left or whatever like and all i could think of is that's the guy driving your ship <laughs> like i don't know if i want that guy flying $11 billion worth of, of, of government money or, or taxpayer money. Like, why is he driving if he doesn't get that concept? Uh, just, again, it was a cool line for, for Sam Jackson to say, but, yee. Well, you know, I guess it's kind of one of those things that where, where we know now that you and I are, are, we're not old, but we're older. And there are things that we would do or know to do that, you know, Younger kids, quote unquote, would but, not know how to do. But he's supposed to be like in this government agency that's act that treats people like they're military. But I, I would, I, I just imagine that you know he's a he's a guy who can run the ship. He's I, not, a, you know. It, the whole point was that it was a fun line yes. to say, but I mean, clearly he is no wash. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, no, he's not. No, he, yeah, he's clearly. I'm not. a leaf on the wind. Yeah, <laughs> it would be great if he said something like that, though. Oh, we're going down. This this landing is going to get interesting. Define interesting. But, oh God! Oh God! Yeah, oh we're God, all going to die. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you know, Fury gets on the radio and says, this, "We're going to experience some turbulence and then explode." Yeah. Good. That would be I, great. Actually, that would have been great. I still they've got uh, there's they're they're hinting that they're going to find a way to get um, Nathan Fillion into Avengers two. Oh gosh. Not, okay. Not as an actual superhero, but just kind of an ancillary character, just oh. so. Just so that the nerd orgasm will be like <laughs> universal. I think I remember seeing that that Joss Whedon and Nathan are like trying to find some way to get him on set, and I can't remember how. God, there's so many there's so many characters he could be. Right, and there's some legitimate <laughs> characters that he could actually play, just because of the because he's a of this body style and his kind of a smarmy attitude of, of things. I don't know. Um, Please let that happen, Joss Whedon. If you if you just happen to listen to this podcast. I will pay you anything right. to put Nathan Fillion in this movie. Um, I did think it was interesting when Thor and, and the Hulk are fighting. 
and Thor calls for meow meow. It's a good thing that no one was in between the hammer and the, oh my god, the bay. I thought that was <laughs> like I mean, honestly, I, I thought that was the most reckless thing Thor did the entire movie. Right, just. Let's just go through the bulkheads of the ship. Who cares if it's uh, any kind of load-bearing weight or poor guy in the bathroom just had the door blown off because Meow Meow just flew past him. Like, Man, I would give my left hand for, oh, God! Right? Exactly. Or or even do a gag where a guy's like, like everyone's running around, and then we show like some bad guy like get smacked in the face with it or something. That would have been pretty funny. Yeah. Um, oh, that leads to a trope. I have a bunch of tropes I wrote. Um I just got to find them. Where are my tropes? Uh, opening narration, nameless government people make bad decisions. All the time. All the freaking time. <laughs> Jeez. That's <sighs> such a trope. We've talked about that trope before, and, it's, and it still pisses you off. Because you're like, what well, are you doing? Now, granted, in this case, the nameless government fools that make the bad decision actually leads to the victory. But it's still a bad decision, you know? So, anyway. Very much so. Did you notice in the scene when we we meet uh, when when Loki gets ready to go do his um, his uh, Skype call to space with the scepter? The, um, <laughs> right before that moment, we have these henchmen running through the corridor with weapons. Why are people run? Why are bad guys always running through corridors with weapons? Have you ever noticed that? Because <laughs> like, they got to go, you know, like patrol. They got to be somewhere in a hurry, but not like a real hurry because it's always a jog. Like you, like in Star Wars, they're always either marching or jogging in formation. And well, bad guys got to stay in shape. You know, they're bad shots as it is. So I guess. I mean, that was so funny. And the other thing I thought was kind of interesting is all these bad guys that they had working on this thing. What happened to these guys? They got let go. Like downsizing. Right. Like once the army shows up, like once the the Chitari come, they're out of the picture. Did they just do they go away? Does the spell wear off? Like are they all under spells? I mean, I was just. What happened to them? Or, or, or oh, maybe they're all um, Hydra. Hmm. Ooh. That just got interesting. So I'm, I'm pretty sure Loki just probably killed them all, that he was done with them. Yeah, maybe. Actually, that does make sense, that he would just, well, I'm done with you. Jump off this building. Yeah, maybe. Um, I did think it was interesting that he said that, or she says that he killed 80 people in two days. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of people. I mean, Oh, yeah. I mean, that's hard to do. Think about it. To kill 80 people? I mean, unless you're doing, like, mass stuff. Uh, other tropes, um, fix brainwashing with blow to the head. You know, you're, you're, you're brainwashed, just hit him in the head with something hard. Well, the cognitive recalibration? Yep. <laughs> and he gives her a look, I hit you something really hard in the head. Uh, and refusing medical help. We've, we've mentioned that one before. Maria Hill's got a, you know, her, her face looks like seven of nine from Star Trek because she looks like she had like a, <laughs> that eyebrow, mechanical eyebrow going on. Like she's all jacked up. Nah. I'm good. I don't need your your silly help. I got my Bluetooth here, headset talking to me. So I don't need your witch. I don't need your witch doctor uh, remedies here. Voodoo going on here. Uh, Although, I also uh, I, one of the things I love about Joss Whedon films is that he he doesn't use too many words to get to a point. You know what I'm saying? Like you hear on the radio, the Hulk and Thor are on the research deck, and then she says they're going to tear the place apart. And Fury doesn't have to give lengthy instructions. He literally says, get their attention. And then she knows what to do. And I actually like that a lot because it just kind of shows that, you know, like it, it doesn't, you don't have to use 
a whole bunch of words to 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 prove to get a point across. So I just anyway. Um, Going back to the whole idea of believability, I mean that that is a a not necessarily just say it's believable, but in a time of war, you're not barking orders. You're you're given a code. You're giving a a term that means to do blank. Uh, and you have to, you have to, you know, or um, what I'm saying is I can't imagine you're barking detailed orders, how to get the Hulk's attention and what to do. And literally yeah, just that, you know, fly to wishbone, shoot him, you know, and that, engage the yeah, target. That's why you're second in the command is because you think on your feet. I, you know, I'm big picture guy. You get to micromanage. Um, uh, oh, did you notice that they're, that they're doing this delicate work by moving the, uh, the iridium or whatever it's called into the thing. Like he's, He's holding this thing, and he's being very, very careful. And they're doing it in a moving truck. <laughs> I thought that was really weird. Like, this seems like something that could have been done on the ground. You know? Like, can, can, we, for that. can we park the truck and do this? I mean, anyway, I that was funny. Um, what else? I didn't really write a whole lot of notes from the, the big action sequence, just because I was, one, mesmerized by the cool action sequence, and two, it's just awesome. I like the way that I, – I do like the fact that Throughout the the Iron Man, going back to Iron Man, each time he puts on the suit, it's a little bit cooler. You know? In yeah. the first movie, it takes like six arms to attach everything, and it gets bolted on. You know, not bolted to him, but like it has to be physically yeah. attached to each other. And then in the second movie, um, it, it's kind of the same thing, but it's it's quicker. Like the stuff comes off quicker. And then in this movie... It's way more, it's way faster. You know, he just walks and stuff is pulling off of him. And then when the Mark Seven suit literally just opens up and just attaches on him. And then that's what they do a lot in Iron Man 3. He basically is just flying through the air and the suit comes and attaches to him. I just thought that was really cool how the suit has evolved throughout the years. Well, I'm glad you said that because, um, again, Tony Stark is always looking to increase the the armor mm-hmm. and there's a point in time where tony just thinks that mentally having to physically operate the suit is slowing him down he wants the suit to be to to operate at the speed of his thought right so eventually this leads to the suit kind of becoming sentient and trying to kill tony <laughs> yeah that's isn't that what the the concept of what age of ultron is going to be that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because um, we though though Ant Man is going to be a thing. I'm pretty sure that Ant Man is not going to happen until Phase Three of the uh, MCU. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it needs. Well, yeah, I mean, just because well, they haven't even started principal photography on that film yet. So, well, you know, Hank Pym, Henry Pym, yeah. uh, uh, otherwise known as Ant Man, will be the one to create Ultron with uh, Tony's help. But basically, it's going to be him. So, would, and, would you like my my thought on the uh, how Ultron's going to come to be? Well, maybe. Um, the only thing I can think of is that they've already cast who it's going to be. They we already know it's going to be um, d- d- dude James Spader. No, no, uh, he's Ultron. Um, oh, we're talking about uh, Harry Pym. Yeah, it's um, he's that comedian. He's in um, crap. He's in he's in Anchorman. He's the uh, Sex Panther works sixty percent of the time, all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, it's that dude, right? Oh. I'm. Hold on. I feel pretty confident in that. Uh, enough to say it on radio. Um, <clears throat> or both of us googling. Ant Man. I am right now, actually. Ant Man, like they've already got a Black teaser. Wolf. 
Was it was like Michael, not Michael Douglas. No. But... Ant Man, twenty fifteen. Uh, Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul Rudd's. Paul Rudd. Rudd. Yeah. Oh, I'll be damned. Yeah, Michael Douglas is. Wait, Michael Douglas is Hank Pym. That doesn't make sense. But they've got Paul Rudd as Scott Lang, Ant Man. Okay. 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 There's right. two. So hold on. So the storyline is, according to IMDb, uh, actually according to uh, P to the Shizo. Okay. Um, <laughs> armed with seems, the astonishing ability to shrink and scale, but increase in strength, con man Scott Lang must embrace his inner hero and help his mentor, Doctor Hank Pym, protect the secret behind his spectacular Ant Man suit from a new generation of towering threats. Against seemingly insurmountable obstacles, Pym and Lang must plan and pull off a heist that will save the world. Okay. Ooh. So release, I just saw some... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, release date is seven, July 17th, 2015. Just saw something I didn't want to see. Um, okay. Well, basically, I, I didn't know that a, a certain uh, Avengers character would be in the... Uh, the, the new movie, and I just saw him. And now my uh, Ultron theory has been uh, been dashed. Oh, okay. What, <laughs> was, what was your theory, and how was it dashed? Well, okay, my theory was was that um, just because I couldn't think of any other way they would do this without... I didn't... I'm sorry. The way that I thought they would create Ultron uh, had, to be, had to be a certain way because I didn't think they would use a certain Avengers character... Well, it turns out that apparently this, this vision, the, uh, the vision actually, uh, is going to be, um, looks like it's going to be, he's going to be in the, uh, Avengers 2 and Avenger, and he would actually be the link to Ultron, I think. Right. So Michael Douglas would be, uh, Paul uh, Jarvis actually, uh, looks like Jarvis is going oh, to right. be implanted into the vision and then Jarvis is going to get corrupted, which will then turn him into Ultron. And that'll be that. <laughs> I think that I mean that's my theory. I, I don't know, but that that's my theory. Uh, my my original theory was that um, Jarvis inside of the uh, uh, and, and Mark Fifteen armor um, has an unfortunate accident, and you know, and then mm. reprograms himself to uh, decide to murder people. I mean, that's. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you see a character in here that I found interesting? Andy Serkis is going to be in Age of Ultron, and he doesn't have a character next to his name. That's really interesting. Huh. Uh, James Spader is going to be Ultron, but I also, yeah, Vision uh, is going to be uh, Paul Bettany Jarvis, and Don Cheadle is going to be uh, War Machine or yeah. Iron Patriot. Um. I'm just so freaking excited. How are they going to get Peggy Carter, Agent Carter, in this? Maybe in a flashback? Flashback. <laughs> I was like, she's old. She's, oh, she's hella dead. <laughs> uh, no, she's not. Well, she's, she's, oh, you're right. She's really old. But, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure in all that New York destruction, she <laughs> she might have got squashed. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, uh, well, no, we see her in Captain America, too. Oh, good point. I forgot about that. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that the uh, in the cast uh, they got from top to bottom Scarlett Johansson and then Aaron Taylor Johnson is the number two cast yeah. above Robert Downey Jr. What? And then Elizabeth Olsen is above Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans. 
they're new and the story will focus on them. And I don't know. There's, there's so many things that I, I, I can't wait to, well, sorry. There's so many questions that I have about, uh, uh age of Ultron that, uh, I'll have to wait a year to get answered. But according to IMDB, the Avengers reassembled to battle the sentient robot known as Ultron. That's it. Yeah. So, and that's fine. The photos are pretty cool that they've leaked or that they showed. Yeah. Corny, go to the page real quick, go to IMDB, uh, yep. age of Ultron concept art. Everybody do this. And then the concept art photo three of six, you will see what I mean by the photo of the Hulkbuster fighting the Hulk. <clears throat> Everyone, go do this now. This is, ah, this there is we go. The interactive portion of the episode. <laughs> Pretty cool, right? All right. Oh, anyway. yeah. Oh, good, good. Yes. Continuing on, uh, I'm actually running kind of out of notes. Uh, I do want to do this real quick, maybe. Yeah. the 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 ending fight scene is awesome, and I. I mean, I could, everything was awesome. I could, I could watch that again. Just go to the scene where the Hulk just goes into Hulk mode, and we get that cool, almost Michael Bay-ish kind of rotate around the group as they assemble. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. <clears throat> you know how we do uh, the comic book connections for the movie, right? I always, you know, of course, everyone yeah. in this movie's been in a comic book, but they do other stuff, right? Well, fortunately, I didn't have to research it. IMDb did it for me. Scarlett Johansson has been in Ghost World. 2001 and the spirit in 08 huh. chris evans appeared in the fantastic four four one and two, and two tmnt the losers and scott pilgrim versus the world so somehow yes. i missed the losers i didn't know that was one powers booth who provided a cameo previously appeared in sin city and Al- alexis denisoff who uh played the other has appeared in several dc productions beforehand doesn't say what that's kind of lame. Come on, IMDb. What are you doing? Trivia. Robert Downey Jr. kept... There's a bunch of trivia on this movie. You need to go right now to the trivia page and read because, holy crap, there's a lot of trivia. And I didn't want to read all of it, so I just wrote. I just put down a couple things. Like, RDJ kept food hidden all over the lab set, and apparently nobody could find where it was. So they just let him continue to do it. In the movie... This, that's his actual food he's offering when he was eating. It wasn't scripted, and he was just hungry. When you're the star of the movie, I guess, and you're, you're kind of the anchor, I guess you can do stuff like that. This is the first Marvel film to make a billion dollars. Kudos to uh, Disney, by in, the way. In case you didn't hear that. It made a billion dollars. One billion dollars. <clears throat> again, congrats to uh, Disney. Oh, a hell of a good idea. Yeah, that was, and that was a good purchase. I mean, geez. Um, and we're gonna buy you. We're not gonna do a thing. You keep doing what you're doing. We just want to own you. There was another cool. I got. I had to find it. Um, what? Oh, there was something else about the money. Um, about how it. I gotta find it. Sorry, this is this is great. I know, but there was something else about how the because it's part of a special club, the billion dollar club. Um, and I'm trying to find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the twelfth film, the twelfth film to surpass the one billion mark worldwide, and the tenth to surpass the four hundred million mark in the U.S. It tied with Avatar and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part Two for surpassing the billion-dollar mark worldwide in the fastest time, 19 days, and set, a world, set the record for surpassing the $400 million mark in the U.S. in 14 days. Think about it. In 19 days, it made a billion dollars. 
I mean, that is unbelievable money. I mean, that just goes to show that, obviously, ticket prices have gone up, but just how awesome this movie was and how wildly accepted it was throughout the world. Joss Whedon explained that the two founding Avengers members, Ant-Man and Wasp, were cut from the script because it's too many characters. I already said that. And I thought this was cool. The German police car skidding on its front end after Loki blasted it was a complete accident as it failed to flip over initially. Like, it was supposed to flip, but it didn't, and it looked really freaking cool. How awesome do you have to be to <laughs> be in a movie where your accidents are more awesome then, than yeah. what you designed? Did you notice that, though, Corny? When the, he shoots the car, did you notice in the background there's like four more cop cars coming and we never yes. see what happens to them? <laughs> it's like, like, the cops go, oh, crap. His glow stick of destiny can blow up our car. I guess we should not go up there. That's kind of, kind of funny. Um, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out, guys. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm done. All right. Well, that's all the trivia I wrote down again. There's a lot more. Uh, go check it out. Um, so this is now the part of the episode where we do the top, our top three, right? Is this the yep. part of the episode? Okay. We decided to take, oops, sorry, noise. Uh, we decided to take the um, the MCU phase one and two and put them in order of our choosing. Does that make sense? We did all nine Marvel's MCU movie. Obviously, the Spider-Mans and the Daredevils and the other movies don't count. Though, did you hear that they're making a Daredevil TV show on Netflix? I did not know that. They are. They're going to do a ten-part series on Netflix with the, uh, with the Daredevil. It's Hopefully, crazy. they'll cast Ben Affleck again. That was so awesome the first time. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> kind of busy making that Batman versus Superman movie. Batman um, wins, by the way. Spoiler. There's a really cool um, con- uh, fan art that someone created that shows Batman in his cave with a bunch of monitors looking at the Zod video that he sends down in saying that you are not alone. And that's how Batman is introduced into the concept, into the movie, is that he's seeing this and he's like, oh, something's going on in, in uh, uh, Metropolis. Metropolis and I got to get my ass up there. So, which is kind of a cool idea. All right, so, Corny, your top nine movies. So, go from bottom to top. Go. Bottom to top. Yep. Thor 1. Okay. The Incredible Hulk. Okay. Captain America 1. Okay. Iron Man 3. Okay. Thor 2. Okay. Iron Man 2. Okay. Iron Man 1. All right. Captain America 2. Okay. And the Avengers. All right. I'm pretty close to that. Uh, And I think uh, I wrote uh, Captain America 1. Thor 1, Iron Man 2, Thor 2, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 3, Captain America 2, Iron Man, and The Avengers. Um, I actually liked Iron Man 3 more than a lot of other people. I just have a good time with it. I I don't know why. A lot of people don't like it because it's kind of silly, but I just, I kind of liked it. Anyway, plus it was shot in North Carolina. North Carolina connection! Woo, woo! So, there you go. But I... But we both okay. agree that The Avengers is probably the best comic book movie ever made next to The Dark Knight. I'd, still, I'd say it's the number one, and then maybe Dark Knight's number two. Really? Um, I, 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 I have my issues with, see, with the movie. I, I have issues with Dark Knight also, but I think that The Dark Knight is such a good movie, standalone, regardless of the fact that it's a comic book movie. I think that's what makes it awesome, because... Because of what it is, like, it makes it just that much better because it's a comic book. But I mean, you could take that story and take off the masks of everybody, and it would still be a great story. Okay, you know, what I'm saying? see that, but I, 
But I don't know. I, th- I, I just I put that movie in kind of a different category for some reason. I don't know why. But even even all if you even make all things equal within that, I would still rather watch the Avengers than the Dark Knight, just because the Dark Knight is kind of dark. Depressing. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, a main character dies and. Um, Batman has to kind of quit and become the bad guy, and um, it yeah, it's kind of a depressing movie. So I'd rather wait, much rather watch Avengers any day, just because it's fun and exciting and it makes me happy. So out of ten, this won't go into our kind of our canon of top ten for the website. We're just this is just for us. Again, this is kind of a unique episode, um, and if this is your first episode. Normally, there's two other guys that join in, and they're hilarious, and we have good yes. time. This is a unique thing. Again, schedules couldn't line up. It was just summer is weird for people who are in the kind of the teaching industry that the four of us are kind of in. That summer is just it is what it is. So, but we should be good to go next week, right? I mean, we had a week, we correct. had a week off. We should be good next week. Um, I'm not going to tell you what that movie is because, well, yeah, right. Well, we'll get there. So anyway, yeah. out of ten. Corny, um, uh, how many Hulk smashes would you give this movie? I would give this, uh, I have to give it 10 Hulk smashes out of 10. No. I, 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 again, I cannot t- stress enough how much I love this movie. And, you know, having watched it again today for, uh, you said nine times, I, I think I'm up to seven or eight. Yeah, at least and, nine, yeah. And, and it's, it, it feels just about the same from the first one. And if you can hold up that many times without me getting tired of the movie, then, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. the parts that are funny are still funny, and the parts that are, I guess, emotional are still kind of emotional. The only part that the, really, really, the only the only part that I've questioned that we didn't get into, and I didn't think about it, I didn't because I didn't write a note about it, is Robert the, the Tony Stark's quote unquote um, sacrifice scene is it's always confused me, always confused me. Is does he? When he goes into space, right, and mm-hmm. then he closes his eyes and he basically dies and he falls back to Earth and then the Hulk screams and it wakes him up. Okay? That moment, right? Mm-hmm. What caused that? Him to pass out? Yeah. Why did he pass out and his suit turn off? Okay, so... This, oh, that's a good question. Okay, because there's two schools of thought that I've, that I've seen. And neither one to me makes sense. Is either A, he goes into space and he's running out of oxygen in the suit. And he physically is passing out as a result of said lack of oxygen. And then that's what makes him pass out. And then because he is no longer conscious, the suit turns off. He falls back. Then he is awoken by the Hulk screaming. Okay? The other idea is that he's run out of power. He has drained the arc reactor in his chest, trying to force this nuke up into space, and that his battery has literally died. And that's why the suit turns off and he passes out because of the, the, the pain of whatever is happening internally, and he falls back to Earth. But you can't restart a battery by yelling at it. Okay? Well, okay, I, I, can, I can go with the... Uh... Okay, so he gets out in space and you start to lose air. They are because. But we don't see him gasping. Plus, we've already established that he can breathe underwater. So that's he's true. So th- and he and and it is it is uh, airtight. I mean, he he can fly in space. He does have right. uh, suborbital flight. 
So, well, crap. <laughs> right. So, like, I, I never, I, I, we just accept for the fact that it's a cool moment in the movie, but I've never understood why it happens. And maybe I need to read more. I couldn't find anything about it in the trivia. Um, I, I don't know why. Why? So, anyway. I think we have to just accept that one as a, a, bad, a bad chunk of the movie. I, that, that's the, literally the only thing. I don't care about the fact that they're not actually wearing headsets and that they're talking to each other. You know, Speaking of which, I, I just assume they have little... Uh, the little earbuds, yeah? Just like a, like a leverage to show that I like as well. And I assume that too. Just show the scene that they're putting them in. You know? Um, eh, eh. Like The only person that doesn't need to wear one is the Iron Man suit. True. Um, so, anyway. That's kind of it. All right. That's, <laughs> but that's really it. Uh, there you go. So that's our episode. Again, uh, we wanted to get real nerdy and, and, and talk about... Um, about that, and and so let me know what you think. You know, if this is a thing that uh, on a on a on a different scale, I think the idea that Corny and I would have is not necessarily comic book movies, but maybe something just a little different. Maybe we can we'll we'll do a podcast about Agents of Shield or Arrow or all of the above, not just one particular show. If you like what this episode was, send us an email. And if you didn't like it, send us an email. We kind of want to know your <laughs> feedback. Uh, that's it. Um, cool. Well, let's wrap up. What do you say? Yeah, let's wrap up. Um, it's cold in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Let's wrap up. I'm, <laughs> you know, cause I'm white and nerdy. Um, what are we doing next week? I think we're doing, doing Did, uh, next week we are, uh, are we, doing we are scheduled to do sneakers. Sneakers. Yeah. I'm really, really excited to do that movie. Um, there you go. Sneakers. Um, special thanks goes out to right. That it. Oh, email. Hold yes, on. you have an email. I have. We have email. You've got mail. If, if Sam were here, he would play. I can't type Google for some reason. There we go. We <laughs> would type. He would play that, and we would all laugh because he's old. This email comes in from Charles. Charles says, "How about a shot in the dark? The second Pink Panther movie. Thanks. Love the show. Okay. Well, uh, I'm pretty sure that one's not streaming. But if we can get a hold of it, maybe we'll do it." Uh, so thanks, Charles, for your email. We appreciate it. Uh, also, we have an email from uh, Alan. Alan Horold. I, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your last name. I probably am Horold. It's a lot of it's a lot of consonants. <laughs> Hi guys, long time listener, first time caller. I'd like to make a request. Now, I'm going to pause here. Alan, I am assuming, is a real person named Alan, and is not our friend Billy, who created a fake email address. No, actually, uh, I, I will. I will step in now. Um, this Alan is actually my supervisor from work. Okay. <laughs> His last name is Horolt. Horolt. Okay. Well, neat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he he is a real man. He is a real boy. He's. A, I am, I'm a real boy. I keep getting that that uh, <laughs> Shrek two reference in here. Uh, you haven't done a ton of comedy, so why not go with the classic Dumb and Dumber? Since there is a pending sequel with the original cast. So the reason why I preface that with Billy is because a, a friend of ours, the show, the uh, Catherine, our our narrator, our our voice lady's uh, husband, is, is he's a huge Jim Carrey fan, and he thinks that Dumb and Dumber is like the greatest thing ever made. It, there's there's Citizen Kane, Lawrence of Arabia, Dumb and Dumber. So, <laughs> and then and then and then Shawshank Redemption, like that's where Billy racks you know, stacks them. So, uh, Alan, we will we will try because you asked. Um, and not Billy. Um, 
Oh, wow. I'm just kidding, Billy. <laughs> uh, if we can get a hold, if we can find a way that the four of us will watch it, then we'll, we'll, we'll do it. Um, yeah. We'll even do a uh, cheap seat reviews re- assemble, and then we'll we'll, we'll assemble. Yeah, which is just we'll movie that, watching. That team. was actually in the trivia. Did you see that? Where Chris Evans, when the when the whole team, because they weren't on set very much together, so when the yeah. team literally, like the days they were all together, Chris Evans would send a mass text that you would just say assemble, and they would all just meet. <laughs> they would all just meet at a bar. And Mark, that is awesome. Mark Rafalo, uh, he said that was one of the funniest things that ever happened. So he actually took like a screenshot of the text and kept it. Like that's from from Captain America, a symbol. Like that's all it said. That's great. Okay, uh, is that, that it? It's actually perfect. Yes, uh, that is it. All right, hit it, Steve. Special thanks goes out to Sight and Sound AV, SightandSoundNC.com. Uh, Steve Everett for our intro and outro music. Check him out at SteveEverett.net. Like us, uh, leave us a review on iTunes and or Stitcher or where other fine podcasts are sold. Check out our website, CheapSeatReviews.com. We've got some fun little things, you no know, bios and our on our scores and rankings and links to our shows. Um, uh, you can just go there and click the links to the to whatever uh, our iTunes and Stitcher. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash CheapSeatReviews. Follow us on Twitter at CheapSeatCast. Please send your emails, your hate mail, your love mail, your you guys are the worst thing I've ever heard to mail at two cheap seat reviews at gmail.com. A lot of words, man. If, if you haven't heard the fact that I, I used, uh, we have a new sponsor. You will hear who that is next week. There is your teaser. So on behalf of, of corny and myself, and of course, Chad and Sam, who are still vacationing in Florida, uh, this in parts is unknown. Uh, this is Sean saying good night. And if you find the Tesseract at the bottom of the ocean, you should leave it leave there. Leave it there. I'm a Tesseract master. I'm a Tesseract. Who's afraid of the Tesseract? <laughs> so what is it that we have? We have a Hulk. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs>